Welcome to Saga Thing, where we're putting the sagas of the Icelanders on trial. I'm John. And I'm Andy. And you have stumbled into our results episode for the third quarter court. We've John, kind of stumbled we, uh, into our results for the third quarter court. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. We, we st- if you had heard the last uh, minute and a half of attempts to start this, you would know just how poorly we have stumbled into this. Um, but yeah, here, we are here to discuss the uh, the results of the quarter court. We put it on mm-hmm. the listeners to go ahead and vote through our various polls. And, and now it's time to find out whether you got it right. Did they get it right? Is there a right answer? I, I mean, that's the big question. Yes, there is. There is, and it's it's what we picked. You know, what's very interesting this time around because we can uh, uh, on the app that I'm using to to run these polls, I can see uh, where people voted from. And mm-hmm. John, um, I don't know if it's a, a good thing or a bad thing, but the uh, the votes in Iceland there were there weren't very many, so I could I could tell when you voted. <laughs> uh, I, I, you and, and your I'm wife, my wife voted as well, so. Yes, exactly. Whereas, you know, most of the votes are coming from uh, uh, from America, obviously. Uh, so my vote blended in with everyone else's. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Stealth hard, hard to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fine. I'm not uh, I'm not ashamed of my votes, but <laughs> we are only two of the many votes that came in. That's right. Well, speaking of Iceland, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your adventures? What have you been doing over there on your sabbatical? Oh, my goodness. Well, um, if I do seem a little spacier than usual, that is because uh, I am currently enjoying the fruits of a COVID infection. Oh, good. Uh, yep. Uh, the uh, the new, whatever it's called, the uh, Omicron Percy I-8 infection uh, is sweeping the uh, European continent. And uh, my family and I all managed to pick it up. Uh, so... Other other than uh, sitting around drinking lots of fluids and occasionally going for walks, uh, not a lot. <laughs> With the uh, I heard that Musa is uh, really useful for uh, fighting COVID. Have you been drinking a lot of yeah. Musa? No, sadly, I accidentally poured the rest of that in the sink. Um, it, oh I, no! I didn't, I didn't intend to, but it was just it was right there at the edge of the sink, and I accidentally but knocked John, it in and then held it upside down. It it has electrolytes. <laughs> That's what plants it, crave. It's got what plants crave. I understand that. <laughs> oh, um, well. But on the other hand, uh, I do have my uh, COVID isolation protocol uh, ends tomorrow. Uh, and we've already picked up our uh, Hal Carl and Brennevine to celebrate. Oh, how? Oh, my so God. So I've got that to well, look forward to. <laughs> there, there's something that'll make you wish you had COVID again. Maybe not the Brennevine, but the Hal Carl. Well, I, I can only wow. imagine that the loss of the sense of smell is going to be a benefit when <laughs> when partaking. <laughs> Did you lose your sense of smell? Or you? No, uh, not really. Not really. Okay. Uh, you know, a little bit congested, but otherwise, I can still I still smell as bad as ever. Yeah. Well, I can tell, uh, you know, John was uh, out of commission for a little while. So he he did say that this was uh, not a comfortable illness to have, um, but he is uh, more or less back in shape now. Yep. Uh, And, and, you know, other than that, I mean, we've gotten a lot done here. Uh, I'll be sending you a few more pictures to put up uh, at some point, uh, collected from various points during the trip. Um, But otherwise, I'm still here for a while uh, and I hope to get a lot more work done before I head back to the States in a few weeks. Excellent, excellent. And uh, I think we're, we're scheduled to record the first episode of Lockstalla very soon. So you've at least yep. got um, some some of the work you promised to get done uh, tackled while you were there. <laughs> oh, no, I've got so quite good. a lot done, sir. Excellent. Uh, I would point out that that will be the fourth episode we've recorded since I got over here, which is uh, 
you know, not bad yeah, for but us. What have we really recorded since you got there that required any work from you? Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. Uh, have you uh, gone and seen anything interesting, uh, any adventures you want to tell us about? We haven't talked about the volcano trip yet, have we? No, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I took my sons on a hike uh, to see the uh, Fagradosfjord uh, volcano, uh, which is... What's that now? The, the <laughs> Fagradosfjord. <laughs> Uh, what the who the who the what the? Uh, I'm just it's with the you. volcano uh, that started erupting early last year, uh, and had sort of pyroclastic flow uh, going for most of this past year. Uh, it's calmed down a little bit now, but the uh, volcanic basin is still uh, smoking and has a lot of fresh lava. Uh, mm-hmm. And we were able to hike up there uh, and get right out on the lava field, uh, which was fairly amazing. Uh, and then a uh, gale force hailstorm hit while we were on top of the volcano. Uh, and Classic I had to Iceland. grab onto my uh, eight-year-old so that he would not go flying away. Wow. Wow. Well, that uh, must have been fun for all of you. Ah, it was a great adventure. Uh, good time. That's good. No, I, uh, John told me that the uh, the tour guide was getting concerned uh, yeah. about uh, the safety of the children <laughs> as the the winds were attempting to blow them into the volcano. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he was very clearly of the opinion that the situation was not entirely safe. <laughs> uh, he was very good. He was very good at keeping a calm uh, sort of face on the whole thing, but he was very clearly yeah. moving us down the hill with all speed. Gotcha. Well, that's great. Well, I know you've spent a lot of time in the uh, libraries working yep. on the Luxella stuff, and uh, you also were interviewed by uh, uh, by the newspaper, which is potentially yep. exciting if that if that does come out. Uh, I I have great hopes. Um, it uh, the interview happened a week or so ago. Uh, I was interviewed by Freda uh, the um, the daily newspaper or five five minutes a week newspaper uh, in Reykjavik. Uh, and uh, they were very interested in the podcast and what we do. Uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. it will uh, show up pr- fairly soon in print, and uh, we'll maybe find a few new listeners here in Iceland, and that way you won't be able to tell who I vote for anymore. That's right. Because for the next quarter court, you'll be in Iceland again, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll make a trip I'll make years. just for that. 20 years from now. Book it. Book but it, speaking people. of the uh, results, Andy, I think people are only interested yeah. in seeing my vacation photos for so long. I think... Uh, People are really uh-huh. here to see some results. Well, th- are you sure they don't want to talk uh, or listen to me talk about advising? I- I'm f- just finished spring break. I've gotten back. Oh, into I feel confident, students. You know, I'm the- going to go out on a limb here and say that I'm confident <laughs> they do not care about your advising situation. Oh, okay. Well then, why don't we jump into our first category? I think it's called best bloodshed. Best bloodshed. <laughs> All right, so this is one of the ones that we had said was going to be a tough, uh, a tough decision. And uh, how did things turn out? Well, um, it was a tough one. This one was interesting because there were kind of three main candidates that were vying for top position. After those three, there's a drastic drop in in interest. So uh-huh. things like um, the saga of Bard, the God of Snowfell, with guests' eyes bursting out of his head, uh, that came in fourth. Uh, Thord Menace with Clip and his brothers invading the the hall and killing King Sigurd Snake. That came in fifth place. And uh, the saga of Gunnar of Keldegnup, um with Helgi cutting Svart in half vertically. Uh, that one shocked. That one shocked me. That came in last. Um, I'm very surprised by that myself. Um, oh, I believe I it's actually a, a really tie cool for one. fifth place. So it's uh, you know it didn't do 
any worse than Thor and Menace, but they both did pretty badly. They did, yes, yes. And I know you were surprised by the uh, by the saga of Thor and Menace doing so poorly with uh, Clip and his brothers killing I mean, King Sigurd. assassination of a Norwegian king. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I'm surprised that didn't get a little more love, but that's all right. Yeah. I guess it just so, didn't have the kind of panache that people were right, looking for. Right. So um, where did so the we'll love go? go? The, the, well, the love went, uh, we'll go in order uh, from three to one here. Mm-hmm. Um, in third place was the saga of Ref the Sly with Ref's mm. daring escape, killing four with a clever mechanical boat launch. Uh, so Very Ref good. the Sly, congratulations on third place. So he got, uh, that's with uh, almost 24% of the vote. Yes, yes. And then uh, following that one was uh, Thorgare killing Butraldi while skiing on a spear in the saga of the Sworn Brothers. That one did have the kind of panache that mm-hmm. people are looking for. And was uh, the was second best second. Uh, moment of violence in that saga. That's <laughs> in some people's opinion. Sure. <laughs> uh, and that got, uh, of what, course, uh, a little more than 26 percent of the vote. Um, yeah. So that leaves uh, our our first place candidate, Ale Saga. Uh, going to the all thing with the other winners of the quarter courts. This is Ale ending the duel with Otley the Short by tearing his throat out with his teeth and then snapping the bull's neck. And John, I have to wonder if he didn't snap the bull's neck and, and kind of finish off with that flare, would mm-hmm. he still have won? I can't imagine that it would have. I mean, otherwise it was, you know, it wasn't even the only time we saw somebody's throat torn out uh, by another person, right? We saw that That's again true. in um, uh, Horth Saga. So, uh, yes, I think the it's the the bull's death that really puts it over the top. Uh, nearly thirty five percent of the vote. Uh, congratulations, Ale. Yeah, congratulations. I, I do wonder though um, how many listeners just went through and voted for Ale Saga. They see Ale Saga and they just vote because they just love this. They I love think that. We'll, I think we'll find that that's not true in all the categories. Well, that's that's for sure. Um, so one of the things that we're going to do in this quarter court uh, results episode is uh, answer questions from you, the listeners, hey. um, because uh, what else are we supposed to do with the time we've got here? You guys don't want a 20 minute episode, do you? That would be crazy. I mean, we might. <laughs> we might. It might be good because I have advising to do. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we have our, our first question. Yeah, what's um, the first this question? one comes... This one comes from Stephanie on Facebook. She's one of our avid listeners and uh, gets involved quite a lot. Um, she says, uh, I got a softball question for you for the Court of Courts. Oh, she says, if you had to do a podcast about a topic other than the sagas, what would it be? And then she adds, bonus point mm. if you pick something non-medieval. So, okay, so Andy, is this question for us or for each of us? Oh, my answer would be different depending on whether or not I'm doing it yeah, with you. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's not clear. So why don't we go through? We can do uh, one for us, mm-hmm. and then um, if we if we each had our own individual podcast or we're doing something independent of each other, what would that be? Right. Uh, so what right, do you think, so, John? Well, we've talked before. I mean, you know, if it weren't for the fact that it is just absolutely uh, a fresh and innovative idea that nobody's ready for to have a couple of white guys sit around and talk about movies. Uh, I think we've talked about uh, doing reviews of medieval films, right? Uh, looking yeah. at films that attempt to depict the Middle Ages and uh, you know tearing them apart in the way that we would. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we could do that with um, scholarly books as well. I think that there's a really interesting podcast to be had where you've got the two of us sitting around reading um, a scholarly text and kind of doing giving it the... Uh, the bad movie treatment, right? Giving it the kind uh-huh. of the 
investigated investigation treatment and the the back and forth treatment. But so maybe it would be interesting to, only uh, to me and you. Going back to our history classes with Sherry Olson at exactly. the University of Connecticut, exactly, and doing what we would do in those classes. Yes, that's yes. an interesting concept. Do things like investigate really the footnotes that and that kind of thing, right? The the stuff that we, yeah that we were trained to do in grad school. Yeah. Ah, interesting. See, if if I were to take us and put us in another situation to do another podcast, I, I like the movie idea quite a lot. Hadn't thought of the uh, scholarly books thing. I'm sure that wouldn't sell very well, but what do we care? Um, but I, <laughs> well, we weren't we I, weren't asked if if we were doing a commercially successful podcast. Ever. Ah, I see. Yeah, just what would we do? Yeah, I'm I'm really interested in the Dungeons and Dragons live play stuff. Um, I mm-hmm. I myself have never, other than the episode we did. With uh, the Maniculum podcast on the Green Knight, mm-hmm. I've never got to play D and D myself. I only get to DM uh, for yeah. my family. Same here. Um, yeah, so it's kind. Of, I would love to be able to play uh, a D and D and do a live play podcast on that. I think it could be a lot of fun. Um, would love to see that get set up in the future sure. somewhere down the line. But uh, yeah, so John, what um, moving this along? Uh, if you had a mm-hmm. podcast that's kind of you, you on your own, kind of going out and doing the thing that you want to do, what would that be? Mm-hmm. Honestly, my problem with this is that I'm a serial obsessive. Uh, I like to learn a lot about a subject and then move on to something else. Right? The sagas are an exception because I just never get tired of those. But usually I'll spend a month or two months reading up about something and then I want to move on to the next thing. So I think yeah. my ideal podcast would just be me learning about a new subject every couple of weeks mm-hmm. and then just BSing with somebody about it. Um, sure. I, I'd have to be talking to someone, right? either a series of people or – Maybe even my wife, right, who's also um, uh, scholarly in her sort of outlook on the world. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but it's a little unfocused, right? That's, I mean, that wouldn't be much. How do you do a podcast that's just basically John learns stuff? Um, so if I was going to pick one <laughs> yeah. topic, I would love to do a podcast about American vice presidents. Uh, ah, vice I presidents. Know, I know more about American vice presidents than anyone needs to know. Uh, and it would be great to have a venue for making use of that knowledge. Okay. Uh, that's really interesting. Um, I think you and I have talked about your vice president obsession before. I, mm-hmm. I still don't understand it, but uh, it's but fascinating, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, what would I do? Um, I've got. I, I think you know. My first impulse is to say I would want to do kind of what we do with Saga thing for other works of literature across other cultures. Um, I think it's a accessible format and it's fun, mm-hmm. and I genuinely like literature and the way it opens up um, an understanding of other cultures and other times and other ways of thinking. Um, So that's one thing that I would like to do. But uh, another thing that I had long thought about um, doing, but I have no idea or the bravery to execute it, um, is the (laughs) idea that every single person you encounter in life has their own story and something interesting to say about themselves. Um, So I I had this idea uh, when I was living in Ohio of just going around and trying to find random people and try to do an interview with them to pull out what their story is and what's interesting about them. Um, Mm -hmm. It would be a hard one to do because it's going to be hit or miss uh, because you're going to find some people that can articulate that story and I can pull it out and other people where it just doesn't quite work. Um, But I think it would be really interesting to just go around and talk to people and find out what makes them tick. And mm. I'm I'm most interested in kind of their their personal story and how they got to be the person that they are, um, and all the context that informed that. Uh, that I actually incorporate that into my into my classes um, quite a lot when I'm doing mm. more free, open, uh, not medieval based uh, literature classes. I incorporate that kind of approach to things. 
uh, a hmm. lot. And it's fascinating and students usually love it. So I don't know if that would make a great podcast or not, um, but I, I think it's interesting and I enjoy meeting new people and learning about them. So I think there's a, you know, there's definitely a bit of our own personalities and our choices here. Right? Um, my yeah. podcast would just be me being a know-it-all smartass about some other subject. Uh, and uh, yours would be finding other people and letting them do the work. <laughs> uh, that's great. I see. I thought you were setting me up for a compliment about nope. what a nice guy I am, and I'm altruistic or whatever. And and yep. here you were just getting no, ready to shit it's, on me. It's Thanks, true. No, it's you. Really do have a talent for talking to people that I don't have. So that's uh, I would. I think that would be something that you actually would be good at. Uh, anyway. Uh, excellent. Uh, thank you for that, Stephanie. Uh, let's move on. Nicknames. We don't. You need you to do that. I can insert it myself. Nicknames. <laughs> nope, not necessary. Nicknames. <laughs> Nicknames. All right. So you, you know this is my favorite, Andy. So uh, uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear the results. What do people decide on? Did they decide well, correctly? Uh, did they just I think they did, John. I think they did. Okay. Um, th- there was one clear winner here, and I don't think it was ever in <laughs> doubt, but there there was another kind of split. Uh the top mm-hmm. three all got, you know, at least twenty percent or more. Um the bottom three got five percent or less of, mm-hmm. of the votes. Um haves and have nots once more, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are a couple people. So I'm going to go. I don't know why last time I went uh, four, five, six, and then three, two, one. That didn't make a whole lot of sense. But let's go six. We'll start with six this time. All right. Um, Saga of I'm assuming Bard. that you're going to be adding some uh, uh, sound effect, drum rolls, and trumpets, and all this kind of thing when the time comes. You can I assume this is just going to be uh, a, a grim silence as we read these off. <laughs> um, given Given the amount of work that I currently have to do, uh, okay. And the amount of editing it takes just to add stupid sound effects, you can expect grim silence and very oh, no. little effort put into no. the. <laughs> no, oh, did you want to take over? You are free and and oh. hanging out in your house uh, there in Iceland, trying to recover from a global pandemic disease. But yes, <laughs> uh, you sound fine to me. Come on now, <laughs> you can do it while your Very wife takes your son off to 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 go horseback riding, <laughs> and you're pretending to work there. Um, okay. So at number six, to work at home. At number six is Bork Bluetooth Beard from the saga of Bard, the God of Snowfell. Hey. Yes, yes, but only one point six percent of the people voted for that one. Gosh, sorry, yeah. sorry, uh, Bork. I think when we get down to the low ones, it's almost insulting to give the percentages. <laughs> now, Alehood came in fifth, also with one point six percent of the vote, and it, it honestly with. So many good mm-hmm. candidates in this category. I, I'm left wondering who voted for Alehood, and right, I want to know who who's that these is. small cadre of people who decided that the name Alehood was the best name for these sagas. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's curious. I'm yeah. not I'm not de- saying that it's a bad choice. I'm saying I'm curious as to. I mean, why. you're heavily implying it's a bad choice. There, there is an implication. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four. But I didn't say it. I didn't say it outright. Uh, yeah, number four was Ref the Sly from the saga of Ref the Sly with uh, just hey. about 5.5% or so mm-hmm. of the votes. No, yeah. That's, you know, so, slightly more respectable. Yeah, that's right. Number um, three. In third, third place is Thora of the Embroidered Hand, the lovely Ooh. Thora. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I know that I was one of your I am very favorites. surprised that that one didn't do much, much better. I yeah. really expected Thora to take home the uh, prize this time. 
Did you? So um, yeah. we didn't – We in our last uh, category, Best Bloodshed, we didn't actually talk about which ones we voted for, which I think we, we should be doing here. Which um, one – That requires that I remember. Let's go um, back to Best Bloodshed really quick. Nobody cares. Uh, we could talk about this one. I, I voted for Thora, <laughs> but nope. nobody cares what I think. <laughs> okay, so you voted for Thora the Embroidered Hand. Okay. Yes. Well, uh, I didn't. Um, but uh, we'll 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 save. Who I think I we all for. know who Andy voted for. <laughs> Second place. Second place was Asgard Norwegian Scarer from the saga uh, of the people of Flowey. With that's a 27%. surprising but worthy second place finisher. I'm I'm delighted that that name it. got got some love. Yeah, and number one, finally running away with the prize, <laughs> is Helgi Seal's testicle. Oh, from the Saga boy. of the Sworn Brothers, and that is the one that I voted for. Yeah, I'm sure it is, uh, and that yeah. and quite a few people did too because it won almost 45 percent of the total vote. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's, it a, did. that's pretty. That's pretty commanding. It is extremely uh, commanding. So good job, Helgi Seals Testicle. Congratulations! Uh, I could be more proud of your work. And also, congratulations on breaking the curse. Remember, we've uh, up till now the people whose nicknames have been body parts have always come in second place in these categories. That's right. Uh, this is the first time one of them's actually managed to uh, hop away with the prize. That's right. So, um, on to questions. Uh, the next question was was submitted with one of the polls. Uh, so, thank you very much. Uh, it says, thank you for the podcast. Uh, I knew nothing about the sagas when I started listening several years ago, and I've started reading them as well. And the podcast, in part, inspired a honeymoon trip to Iceland several years ago, which my Ooh. wife was kind enough to go along with. Uh, and then in parentheses it says, don't worry, she had a good time too. Uh, I bet she did. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. A question for consideration. During my visit to Iceland, I was particularly struck by the sulfur fields just to the east of the Muvatn Lakes. They seemed a potential source of inspiration for Tolkien's descriptions of Mordor. That being said, I'm curious if those fields or other types of volcanic activity are referenced in the sagas or other medieval sources, or if scholars today have any sense for how the people of the Saga Age made sense of those natural phenomena. Mm, very interesting. Um, as a fan of landscape, I really like this question. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you for the question, and thank you for the uh, the compliments, and I hope your honeymoon was great. Um, if you have any pictures of Mivatan, we would love to see them, so feel free to submit those to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a fascinating place. Uh, John, yeah. I know we, we talked about uh, this before on the podcast when we were doing that saga, uh, but yep. Mivatan is its a really interesting place, and it's mostly famous because of the saga and because of reality for the midges that uh, fly around there, all those yep. little black flies. So um, I think back when we did that saga, it was a killer scooter, if I remember. Yep. Um, you, we, we showed a YouTube video of the Mivatan midges. Mm-hmm. You can go and search YouTube with the phrase Mivatan midges, and uh, you'll, you'll have some nightmares, I think. It's pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, about Mordor and Iceland, um, this is one of those questions I think that has a short, clear answer that's basically wrong, and then a longer, <laughs> complicated answer that's probably wrong in a different way. I like that. That sounds like uh, we have a variety of ways to be unhelpful with this answer. That's wonderful. Hey, that's what we do. Uh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll try to work, I'll try to walk a middle path here. Uh, okay. So the first version is that no, uh, according to Tolkien, he wasn't thinking directly of Icelandic volcan- volcanic fields for Mordor. Uh, Tolkien was on record as citing Grendel's Wildlands in Beowulf and his battlefield experiences in World War I for the journey to Mordor and for Mordor itself. 
Uh, and scholars have suggested the industrial Midlands of England as well, uh, especially uh, post-war Birmingham, where he lived for a time, uh, as it being another influence on both Mordor and Isengard. Uh, for Tolkien, the point of Mordor was that its evil had soured and blighted the landscape. And so the things he drew on were places that he associated with blight and sickness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Tolkien was deeply enamored of Iceland, right? He, mm-hmm. he knew Old Norse, for example, read the sagas in the original, was fascinated with them. Uh, both he and, uh, and C.S. Lewis bonded over their love of Icelandic literature. He even had an Icelandic au pair for his kids for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, and, and now having said that, we, we having said no, uh, we do have to acknowledge that Mordor obviously is volcanic in nature, right? Uh, the Black Rocks, uh, Mount Doom itself, sort of an obvious proof of that. And obviously, if you've got an author who's deeply into the sagas and he's writing about volcanoes, it's a mm-hmm. fair question to ask whether they're related. Uh, and there's some evidence that Tolkien did have a specific place in mind, but it wasn't in Iceland. It was in Italy. Uh, there's an account from an interview that was originally published in the 1960s that Tolkien was thinking of eruptions in Italy, and particularly the eruption of Mount Stromboli off the coast of Sicily. Uh, Stromboli has been erupting more or less continuously for a few thousand years. Uh, And years after he wrote the novels, Tolkien was on a Mediterranean cruise and saw the island eruption by night. Mm -hmm. And he was quoted as saying that Stromboli corresponded to his conception of Mordor, and that in 1966, he saw Mordor at Stromboli. Very cool. Now, if you are thinking that Stromboli sounds rather delicious, uh, that's because you're thinking about the other thing associated with the island, which is uh, what's well, a sort of rolled up calzone with uh, Italian cold cuts inside. Yeah, that is uh, huh. That is an accurate but very misleading description of a Stromboli. I try. Uh, <laughs> but don't distract me. I'm not done yet. Uh, there's oh, actually there okay. there is there is actually a really cool connection here that ties into one of Tolkien's influences. In Journey to the Center of the Earth, uh, Jules Verne tells the story of a German professor who buys a manuscript copy of the infamous Snorri Sturluson's Heims Kringla. Uh-huh. He and he and his nephew find a secret runic code hidden in the manuscript that tells them about a passage to the center of the earth. Andy. Do you remember where that passage is? Of course, yes. It's supposed to be hidden inside of uh, Snaffelsjokul. Right, in Snaffelsjokul. Uh, so the professor and his nephew descend into a dormant Icelandic volcano and spend most of the book exploring a prehistoric world inside the Earth. And it gets pretty mm-hmm. weird down there, honestly. <laughs> Dinosaurs and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, Jurassic Park in the Underdark. Uh, So Uh anyway, uh, eventually, lost and hopeless, they're caught up in a volcanic surge under the Earth and blown out to the surface again. And the place they're blown out of is Mount Stromboli in Italy. Uh So if you really want to look for a connection, there it is. Iceland isn't the inspiration for Mordor, but it's got a secret passageway to Mordor hidden in Snuffleshjelka. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, now, I just want to point out that the question wasn't really about <laughs> Tolkien's inspiration. Mm-hmm. The question was actually about whether volcanic activity and other important landscape features are frequently me- referenced in the sagas right. uh, and sure. other medieval sources. Well, I mean, that's not as interesting of a story for me, but <laughs> no. but the well, answer there I mean, is yes. Uh, the answer is we can, yes, we can, sometimes. Yeah. 
We can look at a number of sagas where uh, volcanic fields are very important to the story. Uh, think like, of uh, Erbage's saga. Uh, I was with just the, thinking the same thing. Uh, yep. Uh, with the two uh, Swedish berserks who, after being yes. killed, are buried uh, face down in a lava field. So they can't find their way back to the place where they were killed and seek revenge. Well, uh, remember, not only are they buried in the lava, they're buried in a lava field that they themselves had just cleared <laughs> for for right. killer store because right. he needed to deflate them, uh, get them tired mm-hmm. so that he could uh, he could attack them. So those lava fields, um, Erbiki Saga is actually full of great landscape. Um, yeah. One of the things I loved most about traveling to Iceland was going up to uh, Snaffelsnest Peninsula and mm-hmm. traveling around to see some of the sites that are referenced in that saga. Um, but yeah. Njal's saga also contains a lot of great references to specific mm-hmm. spots on the landscape. So if you're in southern Iceland, you can kind of um, tour those areas as well. So uh, basically, I think my, you know my advice uh, for this kind of thing is, yes, they are referenced. Um, it's fewer and farther between than you would think, given how beautiful and stunning the landscape is mm-hmm. in Iceland. Um, but we I do mean, have see, plenty of references yeah. in sagas. Yeah, if you do want to see uh, a sort of a longer discussion of what it took to cross a lava field, uh, look at Barth Saga, uh, which we covered fairly recently, uh, where you have people wearing um, iron shoe uh, covers in order to traverse a long ice uh, lava field uh, yeah. so that it doesn't cut up their shoes and their feet as they walk. Uh, that there is there's an awareness that the lava fields are there are uh, not just part of the landscape, but are actually a difficult part of the landscape, right? You can mm-hmm. get lost in them. You can suffer injury on the sharp rocks uh, that, yeah, they do turn up in the sagas, but you're right. It's it's not it's not as prominent as you would expect them to be. Well, and one thing you don't see that much of in the sagas um, related to this question is volcanic activity itself. Um, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you, you know, you're in Iceland right now. You went to go see a volcano to see the volcanic activity, Um Lots of people do that kind of stuff. Uh, we know that there were massive volcanic explosions mm-hmm. in the time period that people were living in uh, medieval Iceland from the settlement period onward. And yet yep. they don't really reference volcanic activity very much in the sagas at all. Um, yeah. Maybe in the contemporary sagas uh, here and there, but it's not something that times. they reference that much. Yeah, yeah. Which is strange to me. I hope that helps. All right. So, yeah, there's a kind of a, an answer and a half answer for you, um, if that's OK. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. On to our next category. Notable, notable witticisms. witticisms. So, John, notable witticisms. Um, the, the listeners were a little more divided on this one than they were uh-huh. for the previous two categories. Um, well, we have a, I mean, a, a you fair know, bloodshed nicknames, those are universals, right? Witticisms. Wit is very much an individual thing. Yeah, it is. So um, going through uh, from six to one, uh, in sixth place was the saga of Thord Menace with Thord asking Skeggy, ask him whether he would rather suffer Skofnung's blows indoors or out. Um, And that that even in sixth place won, what, 13.5% of the vote. Yes, it did. It did. And once again, um, I don't know if there's something very strange going on, but for the first (laughs) three categories... The bottom two each got the same exact percentage on all of these mm-hmm. categories. Um, so tied for last place is the saga of the people of Kjallarnes, where King Dolfri looks at Bui and wonders, is this the bearded baby you told me about yesterday? Oh, sad that didn't one. do better. Uh, 13.5 yeah. again. Yep. Yep. Um, just doing slightly better with basically half a percentage point uh, more mm-hmm. is Ale Saga. 
Ale's drunken poem uh, <laughs> before he uh, triggers Olvir to throw up all over the place. Um, that got mm-hmm. 14%. I'm pretty shocked that that one did uh, pretty poorly, I guess, coming in fifth, and, fourth, fourth and place. And I want to say, place. yeah, fourth place. Uh, I want to say, Eddie, you speculated that our listeners would just vote for Ale for everything uh, off the bat. And I want to just point out that you didn't give them enough credit. <laughs> this is clearly people who are thinking carefully about the selections. They're making intelligent uh, uh, choices <laughs> all the way up and I down see, the line. I see what you're doing, and we are both attempting the same thing because we're. <laughs> I think we're 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 both aiming towards a little another category a little farther down the line. But okay, <laughs> I see what you're up to. Uh, in third place, we have Saga of Horde and the Home Dwellers. Uh, when presented with Thorstein's head, the killer, uh, Thorstein being the killer of Horde, Thorbjorg says, actually, I don't care about it when it's off the body. So she's just mm. manipulated Thorstein into killing this guy, and now yep. she throws it to the side without yep. a care. She tosses it like to the pigs. Yep. Uh, uh, this uh, one's actually tied, tied for second. for second, actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, with uh, 16.6 or 7%. Of the vote. Mm-hmm. Impressive. Uh, but the top two are classics. And they are very worthy of their position, I think. Um, although, when we went into the quarter court, I didn't remember the Saga of Alehood story uh, very well at all until we reminded ourselves of it. Right. Um, but speaking of people and deserving their position, let's talk about Thorkel Fringe for a second. <laughs> right. Thorkel Fringe, who was caught in an awkward position in an encounter with a pair of horses. Um, mm-hmm. And the funny line was, we're still not sure who received the stallion. <laughs> <laughs> now, technically, that one's tied for second with the uh, Saga of Horde yeah. and the Home Dwellers. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, on our list. It's positioned in second place. So I think in a lot of saw in a lot of quarter courts, that one would have won out. But it had the poor fortune to be going up against the number one pick. Yeah, which was the Saga of the Sworn Brothers and Thormod's Falgir poem. Featuring mm-hmm. the line, Folger's arse bobbed up and down. It gaped at me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, for just just for reference, our uh, winner for nickname is a seal's testicle. And our winner for yeah. notable witticism is a gaping asshole. So that's wonderful. I, I We begin to understand what the public wants. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, all right. Well, congratulations to Thormod. Um, he's not here at the moment, but next time I see oh, him, good. I'll let him know. Well, <laughs> if he was here, I bet he would have a poem for us. I'm sure he would. Okay. Um, so let's move on to uh, another question, shall we? Great. So our next question comes from Carrie the Singed. Uh, I have a question about legal procedure. In the sagas, we mostly see the stories of wealthy and powerful people, landowners, heads of households, and their relatives. So it's no surprise that those are the people we see bringing lawsuits or making settlements. Were people of lower status able to bring lawsuits? What about giving evidence? Or let's say that an employee who was a member of someone else's household, not a relative, but a hired hand rather than a thrall, was killed. Would it normally fall to the head of the household to seek compensation or some other legal remedy, even if the dead man had relatives in the picture, say an adult son? Would it be their honor, or the, the head of household's honor, if they didn't pursue justice, as that the dead man was, was under their protection and in their household when he died? It's mm. a lengthy question, but a good one. I was very excited mm. when I saw that one pop up. Um, yeah. there, uh, thank you, Carrie, for this, this cool question. And I think I know Carrie. She's pretty active on the Discord. Yes, she's on the Discord. 
How old are you? <laughs> you know what I mean. On the Discord page thing, the site, the board, it's whatever not, it's called. It's, and I'm in my 40s, sir. I just sound really old when technology comes up. I know I know that, Carrie. She's on the Discord. <laughs> oh, uh, very fun. All right. So the answer uh, to the first part of the question is that your yes. instincts are correct, Carrie. Uh, the law did allow any adult male to bring a lawsuit. But in practice, a low-income farmer bringing a lawsuit against a chieftain well, that's that's going to be an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the weight at the things was given to the amount of support that both sides could muster. Yeah, the relationship between a chieftain and his supporters was in part an explicit or at least implicit promise to support the chieftain in feuds and lawsuits. So yeah. higher status landowners could bring a huge amount of support to bear. Yeah, comparatively, yes. Um, so like we could look at Bandamana Saga or Aelhood Saga for how this kind of plays out. Because in both of those sagas, you have powerful men taking up lawsuits against men of lesser prominence. In both cases, the point is that the everyday Jon Jonsson uh, is almost defenseless against the abuses of the law by the powerful. It's, it's only when one or more chieftains are persuaded that their public honor will be enhanced by switching sides. That's when the case can be brought to a morally satisfying conclusion. Right. And the other side of that is what we see in Ravenkel's saga where you see something like what Carrie's describing, a, a lower-ranking man suing a chieftain. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Thorbjorn, the father of Einar, refuses a settlement offer from Hravengil. Uh, and he does that in the hopes of winning a public judgment against him and forcing Hravengil to answer for what he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Hravengil's a much more powerful man. He's actually Thorbjorn's chieftain. And he's never had to pay up in a lawsuit. Thorbjorn only succeeds because he and his nephew are able to recruit a Gothi from the other side of Iceland to join in their lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all of this is saga evidence, though. Uh, in practice, it was almost certainly very difficult to win a case against a powerful man. Yeah. Thank God we've left those benighted times behind us. Truly, mm. ours is a golden age of reason. Ah, heavy-handed sarcasm. Check. Got it. So the, the second part of Carrie's question is about the responsibility of a landowner for people in his employment. Uh, for anyone from thralls up to um, employees, freedmen, foremen, that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. We get a pretty clear example of that in Njalsaga, right, in the feud between Halgirth and Bergthora. The two of them start using their household staff to conduct multiple exchanges of killings. And each time, their husbands, Gunnar and Njal, make a publicly witnessed settlement. It's a bit of a farce, right? They're passing the same bag of silver back and forth year after year. But it does show that they are expected to seek satisfaction for a killing in their household, no matter what the rank of the victim is. Yeah, but we do see a ramping up of how seriously the cases are taken depending on the victim, right? Uh, When the Njalsson's foster father is killed, it's treated as a bigger deal and compensated more seriously. Right, and the text makes it clear that his rank is higher. Their their foster father is a freedman, which puts him in a higher class than the servants who've been killing each other up to that point. Right. And again, uh, this is all saga evidence, but it does pass the smell test. Uh, the, the legal system is sort of built for this, and we can kind of see it in action, and you can check it in the right. Gaugus. Yeah, for, for performative justice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and for the cases to be sorted out by men of high social standing. So if you mm-hmm. look through the sagas, you'll find lots of examples of this kind of thing. Um, another one, you know, I'm working a lot with Erbiki Saga right now. Um, there's plenty of slaves that get killed in the conflicts 
um, that go on, and there's almost always compensation being sought for them by the by the the, right. uh, the head of household. Um, so yeah, low standing people do have uh, some rights, and they do have a value in the court system. Right. There's that famous line uh, when uh, Thor, the uh, the, the uh, foster father of the Nielsens, says um, that he wants to be sort of protected by Nial. And he says, if anything happens to me, what will you do? And Nial says, you will be uh, you will be compensated like any other free man mm-hmm. right? that, that that I will seek justice for you if anything happens to you. Yeah. So, okay. Um, now, I'll, we're going to end it there. But uh, uh, full disclosure, John and I talked a lot about what we could do with this particular question, <laughs> um, whether we should answer it here uh, or at the end of an episode in the rune sack or whether it should be its own saga brief. And as soon as we mentioned saga brief, we both shook our heads and said, no, we're going to try to condense it into a 15 minute answer in the uh, quarter court results. But we still reserve the right to return to this later. Yeah, there's a lot to be said there. On to outlawry. 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 All right. Uh, So this is uh, our chance to look at who the worst of the worst is. Uh, who is worthy of joining someone like uh, the Freitas from Greenlander Saga, murderer of 35 people? Uh, mm. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. It is uh, pretty bad, yeah. Who can match or top that? Well, we had a nice chat about who the candidates are in our um, in our quarter court episode. Uh, for the mm-hmm. results, we'll just run through the, the list here. Let's do um, it. Coming in sixth... Um, John, you'll remember we had a, a conversation about Scott Legrim Kveldolfsson in the uh, yep. previous episode, and we were wondering how people would react to him. Um, turns mm-hmm. out not that many people think that he is the worst of the worst <laughs> in this group, um, though he did garner some yeah, a fair number of, of Almost votes. Almost 11% of the vote. I mean, that's not nothing. It's not nothing. So killing, you know, attempting to kill children and, and throwing rocks at ladies who are swimming, uh, doesn't, it's not really good for your resume. But, uh, that's right. He survived the quarter court. So I guess good for you, Scott Legrim. He came in sixth. Um, up next, uh, in fifth place, was Kolbjorn from the saga of Bard, the god of Snowfell. Um, John? Um, I am I, very surprised that didn't do better. This is a man I know, who he, fed people to people. He did. He really did. He, but, you know, you can't blame him. He's a troll. That's what trolls do. I suppose. You know? So it's it's part of his culture. Uh, and about 12.5% there. So he got in just ahead of Scott Legrim. Yes, he did. Um, and up next in uh, fourth place was Horth from the saga of Horth and the Home Dwellers. Uh, mm. we, we definitely did not like Horth. And yeah. uh, a lot of our listeners shared our feelings. <laughs> that means there's three people worse than Horth. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, up next in third place is the guy that I voted for. Uh, that's Thorarin the Foreman from the Saga of the People of Flowey. Uh, this is the mm. guy who, when they're stranded in Greenland, uh, decided to rise up against and take all the goods for himself and the boat and get away. Yep. I really can stand for that. Pretty yeah, miserable person. Terrible, terrible. Um, do you remember who you voted for on this one, John? Uh, I'm actually sitting here trying to remember whether it was Kolbjorn or Thorarin. It was one of those two. Oh, interesting! You would vote for Kolbjorn. I voted for one of them. Okay. I'm not sure which. I'm I yeah. I maybe I'm just a little bit more disturbed by the idea of consuming human flesh than you are, Andy. You know, when in Kolbjorn's I mean, cave, their own. <laughs> um. So uh, in second place was a yeah. Bui Andresen, 
um, who mm. from the uh, saga of the people of Kjallanes, um, he uh, we talked a lot about how he wasn't very nice to women, uh, yep. not terribly nice to his son either. Uh, kind of a big pompous ass. Yeah, Maybe well, he, and the the part where he forced his own son to kill him and then cursed him for doing it, uh, <laughs> thus kind of ruining his son's life. Uh, that's yeah. that's pretty rough. Uh, and it's, yes, it's also his sort of serial treatment of women, pretty appalling. Uh, he scored what eighteen and a half percent or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, right around there. And then finally, that leaves us with our our winner of the outlaw read, the one going on to the all thing. Uh, and I think he makes a good candidacy for for the all thing. <laughs> it's Thorgeir from the saga of the Sworn Brothers. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this was ever much of a competition, honestly. No, um, he, I mean, he a, just is a, a terribly unlikable fellow. Yeah. Uh, well, and as we saw, right, love to kill people who couldn't defend themselves. Um, had no compunctions about killing people for absolutely no reason. Uh, delighted in killing arbitrarily. Uh, just mm-hmm. really not a very nice man. Yeah. And in most sagas, he would be a villain. Um, but somehow he <laughs> finagled his way into being a protagonist in the Saga of the Sworn Brothers. Fortunately, there was Thormod that that to balance him out. Is like Horth, that saga is about protagonists who are not necessarily the good guys. Right. I don't know I think that we, Thormod we did is a great disp- guy either. I think we did a disproportionate number of sagas this time around that yeah. were exploring that side of humanity. Um, Absolutely. Putting kind of uh, bad guys in positions of protagonists and uh, and running it through that way rather than the typical yeah. hero. Yeah. No, I think we said uh, during the first half of the, of the uh, quarter court that six of the ten sagas in this quarter, we outlawed either the protagonist or one of the main protagonists. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so pretty, it speaks to a rough schedule. Yeah, but it also speaks to the the kind of diversity of the literature mm-hmm. that you can get sagas that are not simply interested in that kind of epic hero, but sagas mm-hmm. that are interested in the nuances of humanity and looking at things from different angles. So um, kudos to the medieval Icelanders <laughs> who had good taste in literature. There you go. All right. Um, so, yeah, let's do uh, one more question. Yeah. This one is from Adam on Facebook. Uh, so you can guess that I didn't find this okay. question. Uh says, hey, huge fan of the show, currently getting through Ale's Saga. Good luck, Adam. Uh, I had a question mm-hmm. that I figured you guys might be able to answer. Are there any sagas or sources on the Kievan Rus other than Ahmad Ibn Fadlan? Thank you for making such a great show. Ah, You're welcome. Very good. Good question. <laughs> uh, I feel like hi, Adam. We, we must have talked about this at some point. Uh, I think we've referred to them, but I don't think we've ever actually discussed them in any detail. Okay, well, let's do it for uh, Adam. Yeah. So I think this is a, I mean, it's a great question, uh, and I think it's become somewhat timely, really, with the current war in the Ukraine, right? I mean, this is uh, – we're talking about the no, exact – No, we should, we should probably start by explaining the Kievan Rus for anyone who isn't familiar with them. Uh, okay, sure. Go for it. Oh, but uh, John, as you said earlier, uh, I like to sit back and let other people do the work, so why don't, <laughs> why don't you do it? Uh, nah. Um, I hadn't really thought <laughs> through things that far in advance. You go ahead. Okay, well, the the Kievan Rus uh, refers to a group of politically allied associate groups that lived in what we we will now think of as Eastern Europe. Um, Their influence covered parts of Belarus, Ukraine, and Western Russia. And you might be able to guess from their name that they were centered on Kiev, uh, the modern capital of Ukraine. Uh, They weren't uh, called that back then, of course. Uh, The name Kievan Rus was coined by 19th century historians. But Mm -hmm. but there you go. They were just... They were just the Rus or the people mm-hmm. of Rusland. 
Yeah, and they first they first show up as an identifiable people in the mid ninth century, around about there, uh, which makes mm-hmm. them part of that ninth century Scandinavian diaspora. I, I think they had. Whoa, 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 wait! They're trying to sneak that bias. We usually talk about this as the Norwegian diaspora, no. the Scandinavian diaspora. But you're right; it's actually a little complicated as to where the Rus originally came from. Well, our our earliest source that I know about uh, mm-hmm. identifies them as being from Sweden. Uh, but that's from a Frankish chronicle, and a lot of modern scholars think that uh, Norway is a, a potentially more likely place. I don't really know. Um, what chronicle was that? Um, I think that was the Annalis uh, Bertignani, um, if I remember. Okay, so good. So that's that's the first recommendation for reading then. The oh, Annalis yeah, we were answering a question. Yeah. The Annalis Bertignani. <laughs> yes, trying to make sure we, we give our names. Uh, anyway, so the, the Rus Federation uh, were active until the 13th century, and they ceased as a political entity around the 1240s. So around that time, uh, it stops mm-hmm. being terribly influential. But their story actually provides an interesting parallel to Iceland's independence. Uh, they start and end right around the same times, for one, and mm-hmm. for the same reasons. Um, and, and like the Icelanders, they were strongly associated with the Varangian Guard of Constantinople. So pretty yeah, cool. As a matter of fact, um, I was actually reading about this recently. There's strong evidence that the guard was originally established by the Rus mm-hmm. uh, and that the Christianization of the Rus was actually linked to the formal instantiation of the Varangians as the emperor's personal bodyguard. Yeah. So once you start looking for them, the Rus are woven into a lot of European medieval history. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the more recent history is that the Kievan Rus are cited by both Russia and Ukraine as part of their history, mm-hmm. which is, it's, I mean, it's just, it's obviously just one part of the historical difficulties in that region, but it's absolutely part of it. Um, for example, in both Moscow and Kiev, there are statues to Vladimir the Great, the Kievan Rus leader who converted the Rus to Christianity in the late 10th century. Uh, Vladimir died in 1015. And both cities unveiled statues to mark the thousandth anniversary. And even at that time, the Ukrainian government were furious about the Moscow statue because they saw it as a claim for Russia to own the history of the Kievan Rus and therefore to have a claim on the legacy of that people. Which is a legacy that includes Ukrainian land and Kiev. Yeah. And that's part of a pattern that Russia has been establishing in its rhetoric for years. Uh, mm-hmm. In 2014, following the annexation of the Crimean Peninsula, Putin called Kiev the mother of Russian cities, uh, except he said it in Russian. Uh, it's, the, it's the sort of thing that didn't make headlines in the West in 2015, but in retrospect, it was a real signpost showing how the war today has actually been developing for years. Uh, more than years, but yes. Uh, yep. That got modern very fast, didn't it? I mean, it's kind of hard to avoid it right now. Right. So uh, like with all the other questions, we've gone on a tangent and, and avoided the actual core of the question that was asked. Um, <laughs> what what recommendations for reading have we got outside well, of aside of from the annals that you already mentioned? Uh, we've got yes. uh, for medieval sources. We've got occasional references to the Rus in lots of texts. Uh, Christie saga, for example, or or Bjorn the Hitterdal champion saga or Saxo Grammaticus's Gesta Denorum. But if you're looking for a source that's really focused on the Rus, uh, I suggest reading the uh, Nestorian Chronicle, uh, which is also sometimes called the Russian Primary Chronicle. Uh, it's a really interesting bit of pseudo-history. It's written sometime in the 12th century. It starts with the flood of Noah and goes all the way up through the foundation and history of the Rus. 
there is, by the way, a translation available for free online, uh, which we can link to in the show notes. Excellent. Yeah, we we can do that. Royal we. Uh, oh, and if you want a Kievan Rus primer from the perspective of the Crimean annexation in 2014, uh, Christian Raffensperger wrote an article in the journal History Compass that frankly looks pretty prescient from the 2022 perspective. Uh, and we mm-hmm. can we can link to that as well, I think. All right. Excellent. Um, again, there's lots more we could say about this subject. Uh, books have been written about the the, yeah. the Rus. Um, if you're interested, you can look those up and it'll be full of sources that you can, you can dabble in. But uh, we're going to move on to our next category. Great. Thinkman. Thinkman. All right. Um, John, I don't think this yes. category is is all that interesting. We could just probably move on to. Uh, oh, I don't know. I think final... I think the listeners are riveted, and they want to hear their votes count, Andy. Well, I mean, I I personally feel like uh, the 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 machine that was tallying these votes was a little messed up somehow. I feel like maybe you hacked uh-huh. the system. But um, uh-huh. the, so, the so Andy, do you realize what you're doing right here? Do you realize that you are trying to cast aspersions? on the voting system uh, and trying to undo the democratically elected winner. Isn't that what I one does like, when, when you lose? I, I believe that's I, it's well established. I feel like now it's your turn to be getting political. Um, uh, well, I can tell you, Andy, that the people spoke and they spoke loudly. Uh, yes, they did. And I, I, I thank you all for your votes. Uh, I thank you all for the votes you gave Andy. Um, and, uh, and Andy, would you care to uh, announce the winner or should we just let them assume? I mean, we don't want anyone assuming, you know what happens if you do that. (laughs) Um, so, um, I came in second, um, which is also last. That's pretty good. That's, that's, (laughs) I was going to say that's, that's only one behind first, but sure. Um, apparently people weren't impressed with guest Oldlifson or Thorgrim Helgeson, or Thorir, Scar- <laughs> Thorgil, Scarlake, Stepson, or a lot of the people that, you know, if you just look at the list, you'd have no idea who they are. Um, and I think that might have <laughs> that might have hurt me a little bit. Um, but I, I think, think we were given an opportunity to explain our uh, people. And I think people uh-huh. I think you're not giving people credit enough for knowing these sagas. I think they made well, an informed decision. Uh, and I'm if proud I'm being of them. honest, if I'm being honest, I, I gave my time over to Thormod. Colburn's poet to speak for me and in retrospect maybe that wasn't the best idea um but <laughs> but I thought he did a good job uh, uh-huh. but yeah the winner the winner with um really 68% of the votes so it was a thrashing oh, golly. um was uh John with ref the hey! sly and um I th- honestly I think you won because you have ref the sly and you have Ale Scott the Grimson and and you have other, you have Bard the Snowfell God, you've got Thord Menace, you've got all these big name it, characters. It sounds to me like what you're saying is that I won because I had the better set of Thingmen. No, no. <laughs> Which, no. Uh, I believe, <clears throat> in, I believe you accused me in a previous quarter court of chasing the names and 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 the recognition of, of just who these people were, uh, not the quality of the characters. Well, I'm mm-hmm. going to turn that on you now, John. Uh, I think the difference is that uh, I've been rewarded for my choices, which suggests that the listeners agree (laughs) with me, uh, Uh, where I believe that when I accused you of that, uh, you ended up losing that contest. 
Mm, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest that maybe the listeners are sloppy and lazy and they don't pay attention. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I'm gonna. Uh, I want to. I want to cap that and uh, be able to use it in the fourth quarter when it comes time to our votes. <laughs> I just want to be able to play that again for everyone. Uh, um, anyway, you uh, know I don't mean it, everyone. I love you. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna go cuddle up with uh, Snouty the Wonder Dog and, and well, read a good book. Don't leave just yet because we have another question to answer. Uh, this oh, is another one yes. that was submitted along with a poll. Uh, it says, "Okay, love the show." After covering 30 sagas now, is there any category you wish you'd approach differently or a category you wish you had included? God, Cheers to the work. Kind regards. Andy, parentheses, a different one, honest. Yeah. Uh, now, well, when the, I'm when not you sure add, I believe that. Right. Because uh, when you but, add that a different one and then you put comma honest, now it sounds like me being a smartass. <laughs> but it wasn't. It sounds like exactly the thing that Andy would write. <laughs> it, it does. But it wasn't me. Comma, honest. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, That's a great question. So uh, I wish I had I thought that, of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I wish I had thought of an answer <laughs> for it. As opposed to just writing the question? Uh, <laughs> I no, didn't write the question. Uh, my point of view, I don't think there's anything I'd do a lot differently about the categories we use. I, yeah. I, I think it'd be, it'd be nice if they were more internally consistent sometimes, but it's probably more interesting when we argue about how they're supposed to work. Uh Right. I actually think, you know what, you know what, I will say one thing I would do differently uh, is maybe the order we approach them in. Uh, ah. We just, we just went alphabetically, right? We just ended up, and we ended up sticking to that order, which means that our I don't judgment think, episodes. I think that's coincidental, John. No, that's not, because I wrote the list. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's my fault. I, I want to be very clear. It's my fault. Uh, no, no, no. But There's a reason we do outlawry, then Thingman, then final ratings. That part's Those, fine, but I'm talking about the yeah. first part. Because our yeah. judgment episodes kick off with bloodshed and body count. Uh, uh, there's there's a lot more going on in the sagas than that. And neither one of us got into the sagas originally for the violence. Uh, no. So it might have been nice if we'd like broken those up a little bit. Or at least if we hadn't led with both of them. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. What about you? Um, I'll say that I think that Thingman and Outlawry, uh, I really like those categories. Um, but I think we've we've imposed some kind of arbitrary rules that go away from what <laughs> I was thinking of those categories as when we first created them. So when we first started, um, my vision for what we were attempting to do was to try to bring something of the literature classroom to the podcast where we can talk about the antagonists and the protagonists and what values mm-hmm. they seem to reflect. Um, but we've we've turned it into something where with outlawry, because we have rules about it having to be in Iceland, we can't actually talk about some of the other antagonists in the kind of detail that I would like to. Uh, or well, I don't think we've ever stopped, ever stopped us from talking about them. We just don't think. No, but them. it would be. Yeah, I agree. But I think it puts us in because we have a lot of sagas that don't really spend much time in Iceland, which puts us in a weird position for who we have to outlaw sometimes when mm-hmm. there's good candidates that are outside. So I think the some of the arbitrary rules or some of the rules that we've created for outlawry, um, I find a little bit limiting sometimes. Um, Thingman, I'm, I'm actually fine with that category. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, our only real rule is that it can't be Norwegian royalty or any, you know, <laughs> royal figure. I think that's fair because it's uh, mm-hmm. it would be less interesting if you could do that. Well, we wouldn't want um, them in our halls anyway. That's right, yeah. Uh, but, what about um, a category yeah. that you wish we'd included? Category I wish we'd included. Um, I actually have to think about that real quick. Yeah, well, I can. I have one if you want to go. If you want to think for a second, 
Uh, yeah. Okay. I think. I mean, my answers would obviously be seriously nerdy. Uh, I I think it'd be fun for us to have something highlighting the connections between sagas. Uh, mm. Something like Six Degrees of Snorri Gothi or something, where we try to link <laughs> each saga's major figures to Snorri Gothi. Right. Each of us tries to find the the nearest uh, connection to a single figure. So it wouldn't have to be Snorri Gothi every time. Obviously, we could just pick a figure. And sort of challenge ourselves to find the uh, the shortest route to that figure for each saga. Uh, that'd be fun. Or we could always do uh, a featured article corner where we'd go into depth about a single smaller piece of scholarship. Uh, like I was mm-hmm. saying about my idea for another podcast. Uh, work out our responses to it live. You know, nerdy stuff. That would actually be kind of cool. A category where we look at our favorite article or book on the mm-hmm. subjects um, mm-hmm. of that. So you could call it Scholar's Corner. Or, Scholar's or, Corner, or, there you go. Or can we, something can we spell it with like a that? K? Because I feel like uh, those that always has to be spelled with a K. So Scholars, S-K-O-L-R. Yep. Uh, L-A-R-S. Yes. And then, and then Corner, corner with, with a K. K as well, yes. Wouldn't that be cute? Could we make one of them backwards just to be really cute? <laughs> and draw it in crayon? <laughs> Delightful. Okay. Um, yeah, that's good. I Actually, that that is a category I think that I could get behind. Um Otherwise, I think, you know, we put a lot of thought into which kind of categories we wanted. Um, and yep. I can't remember any we, we we threw out. We must have thrown some stuff out. It's been so long. Yeah, somewhere I, I have a document. I can't remember. But, uh, you know, it's a long time ago now. Oh, you know what? I, I'll, I'll say um, one thing that um, Tetalus Rankium does with their president's show, um, which is uh, try to cast the actor who would play certain characters. <laughs> now, that, that could be kind of fun. Like, who do you mm-hmm. see? Um, a, a particular character. So maybe with Outlawry and Thingman, um, if you mm-hmm. were to cast them by uh, with, with a Hollywood star, uh, maybe that would be an interesting, fun category to play with. Um, but otherwise, That's I think uh, I, I like the categories we've got. And I've also noticed, you know, the uh, the episodes get really long because we have so many, di- like seven categories. It just takes so damn yeah. long to get through. Yeah, I don't think we'd want so, to add any more. Yeah, yeah no, no. Uh, but all right, great, great question. Thank you. Final rating. So our final ratings category. In this one, we asked you to take a chance and uh, organize all 10 of the sagas that we covered in this quarter court to decide on your favorites um, in order. Um, I and think a surprising the, number of you actually did it. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Um, a lot of you did that. And there was a lot of, um, in the center, in the middle, there was pretty much just a, a big clump of things with mostly the same score. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a very clear loser. <laughs> and there's a fairly clear winner, I'll say. Oh, I don't um, I'm know. not going to go through. Two are very close. We'll see. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and give the the bottom two, and then mm-hmm. I'll give us the top three, and then you can go and look at the results on the website um, if very you're good. interested in the rest of it. Um, but at the bottom, we have the saga of Gunnar, the Fool of Keldegnup. Um pretty consistently ranked as number ten. Yeah. Um, the worst of the worst. I applaud the wisdom of the masses. Yes, right. Although, John, sometimes I wonder, you know, when people are voting on this particular one, are they voting for um, the, how we handled the saga or are they voting oh, for geez. the saga They're judging itself? us? I can believe that. Yes, that's the question. Did we do a poor job with the saga of uh, Gunnar the Fool of Keldegunov or is it just a bad saga? Thank you for that. Now I can stay up all night thinking about that. <laughs> right. Um, so that was our, our, our lowest. Um, in ninth place was the saga of Thord Menace, which you and I actually rated in the like six or seven yeah, range that's, that's uh, when we did it. 
Uh, we both liked that saga, that's, even though well, that's it was clearly about a judgment a character. against Dustin. It must be. Must be. Um, so uh, that's interesting that people ranked that one so low. Um, now going to the top three. In mm-hmm. third place, we had the saga of the people of Kjallarnes, which I think you told wow. me you were surprised at. I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, it's not that it's a bad saga. It's just that it's a... Uh, you know, I don't regard it as being significantly better than the others in this quarter. And there were a couple of others yeah. that I actually expected to see a little bit higher up than they are. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I really like that one in third place. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly forget how I voted, so I can't say if I put it in third. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was um, it was pretty high for me, um, for sure. Um, I will say the saga that came in second place was not my second place. Um, I think it was my fourth or fifth. Um, oh, and that wow. is the saga of Ref the Sly. Uh, the oh, people dear. dig it. They dig it. Really. I I don't think I actually got this far in the polling. Uh, so I don't think I actually did the rankings. Uh, oh, so you but, only, oh, you didn't even vote the rankings at all. I don't think I did. I, maybe I did. I don't remember. But um, okay. I'm not I'm not at all sorry to see Ref the Sly so, uh, so highly ranked. I think that's a really yeah. fun saga. It's a saga that I would have no hesitation in recommending to people. As a way to kind of you know sort of slide into the sagas and what they can offer. Sure, yeah, that that's no problem there. I think it's a it's a fun one, um, but I do think um, I do think that it's one that I think we if if I'm looking at this one, I think it I think we sold it well. I think mm-hmm. in terms of what it is as a saga, um, I don't think compared to the other ones on the list that it should be quite that high. I would put it in well, the middle. Um, and it's too but, late to second guess now. I mean, I've already questioned the listener's ability to to rank and and judge these things uh, because I'm not bitter at all. No, no, about no, no. <laughs> the thing as you as you suck your sour grapes. Oh, my poor wife had to hold me for uh, 24 <laughs> hours straight as I sobbed. It was a sad, sad day when I saw these. Uh, oh well. And number one, uh, going back to my earlier comments, um, was the saga of Ale Scott Grimson. Not a shock. Uh, dominated there yeah not shocking at all um and well deserved honestly it's one of the best sagas that exists it's one of the greatest works of world literature um so i have mm-hmm. no qualms with the saga of ale scott legrimson doing so well so thank you everyone for voting and putting an effort into ranking all of those hopefully you had fun sliding those up and down <laughs> and choosing um it's a really hard thing to do with 10 of those especially if you don't remember most of them mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's a real challenge so there you go. Uh, Ale Saga will go up against Njal Saga and Gisli Saga when we get to the all thing. Yep. That's the uh, the final rankings. John, do we have uh, one more question? Well, no, Andy. Uh, but then in another way, yes, because there were a bunch of questions that I couldn't decide between. Uh, and so we've got ourselves a lightning round. A lightning round? That's right. Uh, I'm going to ask a series of questions. Uh, and We will answer them. I want our answers to remain about mm, 30 seconds or less. Uh, I realize okay. that's a little bit longer than lightning, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's our kind of lightning. For us, it's lightning. Okay, uh, Andy. Since we both teach much more than just the sagas, although I don't know if I care for that phrasing, uh, what is your <laughs> favorite non-saga text to teach? Oh wow! Okay, um, I have so many answers, um, but one that I always. I thoroughly enjoy. This is kind of a cheat, though, and it's also kind of boring. I really like teaching Beowulf. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taught it a, a lot, and every time I teach it, I find uh, something new to appreciate about it. If even if it's just reading it, and I'm, I'm teaching it right now, 
So maybe that's why it comes to mind. But man, it's such it's so well written. It's it's beautiful. It's poignant. It's mm-hmm. fun. Um, I I like that I can get students to appreciate it in a different way. Um, so I'm guess I'm gonna say Beowulf, but I also really enjoy teaching science fiction texts when I was doing <laughs> college writing. Um, I would incorporate uh, and every yeah, I once in a while. Remind you, this is a lightning round. <laughs> oh shit! Um, so uh, sometimes science fiction texts, especially Kurt Vonnegut, my, that's the end of my answer. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I mean Beowulf's obviously an excellent answer. Um, I do enjoy teaching Beowulf, but my I would say my favorite changes every semester. There's always sort of one text each semester that I sort of am in the middle of teaching and just have sort of a great time with and my students have a great time with. And it's not always the ones I would predict. Uh, Sir Gowan and the Green Knight is surprisingly uh, popular with my students. Um, But right now, uh, having recently taught it and really enjoyed myself, uh, the Argonautica uh, by uh, Apollonius Rhodios is such a fun text. Um, If you haven't read it, uh, it's really worth it. Uh, it is a telling of the story of uh, the Argo, right? The the search for the Golden mm-hmm. Fleece, but from a post, so I would say a post classical Hellenistic period. Uh, right? yeah. A a writer who's really struggling with moving out of the kind of mythological uh, world in which sort of everything from natural phenomena to the fates of men are determined by the gods, into a world in which people are in control of their own fates. It's just a text mm-hmm. that really has this interesting dynamic going on, kind of working between those two those two poles. Um, yeah, and it's really worth a read. That um, that reminds me. I know this is lightning round, but uh, I taught that text for the first time this semester on your recommendation. It went very well. I highly recommend it as a just a great romp through the classical world. Yeah. Uh, it's so fantastic. Much. Yep. But it, it also reminds me um, texts that are really long, like the Iliad and Don Quixote. Mm-hmm. Um, even though students balk at them at first, they get such a rich experience from going through those texts. I mm-hmm. love talking about the characters and what uh, what those texts are exploring. Oh, man. I, I, I'm going to change my answer to the Iliad <laughs> and Don Quixote um, because well, they are just two books. Well, I can't choose just one, uh, man. Right, it's, right. It's, it's too hard. All right. What's the next question? Uh, all right. Well, this one is maybe a little bit more of a lightning question. Which one of your respective Thingmen would you be most worried about during a take your Thingmen to work day and why? <laughs> That's a funny question. Um, I think there's two. Um, I'm, I would be a little concerned about follow the troll woman, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but I'm also deeply concerned about Killer Stur. He's not really a nice guy. And I don't think he would fit in well at my university. So Fair enough. I'm going to say uh, Killer Stewart. What about you? I, I think I think I know who you should say. Um, I'm going to say uh, Greta Esmundersen, uh for me uh, is, you know, uh, I think he's just a dangerous person to bring into mixed company at all. Uh, yeah. Where many of my thingmen who are questionable, someone like Ail Scholar Grimson, shows that he's able to uh-huh. have a perfectly lovely evening without causing any trouble. I don't know that mm-hmm. we ever get the evidence that Greta can get along with anyone for any length of time. Uh, so I'd be a little bit worried about him. And then, of course, Snorri Gothi, because I would fully expect him to take over the university by the end of the day. Uh, and then right. I end up working for him. And I need him to understand that I'm the one in charge of my hall. <laughs> I mean, he's probably plotting right now. So I, you're going to get to the all thing. I, I, in fact, I would be shocked if you survive to the all thing. 
Um, probably I'm going to show up to that episode and, and Snorri will be sitting there and you'll be, well, and you know what? Probably you know dead. what? My hall would only be stronger for it. <laughs> uh, question number three. Uh, okay. This is not so much a question as a comment. Uh, the comment reads, and I quote, Go Browns, go oh. Guardians, go yes. Cavs. Oh, I like this one. Now, that's an interesting uh, – <laughs> I got to say, lightning round, uh, 30 seconds. I'm a little disappointed in the, the Guardians for not uh, improving the roster at all this <laughs> summer. But uh, that's what the Guardians do in their long history is is – be stagnant. Uh, mm-hmm. Cavs, very, very exciting. Uh, what a what a fine future they have ahead of them. Uh, looking forward to a little bit of playoff action this uh, this uh, coming playoff season. And the Browns, well, the Browns, the Browns. Well, there's a lot of drama around the Browns, and uh, uh, while they may be positioned to uh, do some pretty exciting things in the future, um, whew, I could do without all the drama. That's all I'm going to say there. A uh, little uh, little disappointed gonna- in my my boys. I'm going to say I'm a little disappointed in this question asker for not uh, offering me any encouragement for my teams. Uh, I mean, you do have bad teams. Well, in New York, what I will say is, given those three sports, do you know that when I was a kid, there was a commercial, uh, the Jets, the Mets, and the Nets, please support the New York Pets. Uh, And Uh it was about our teams, uh, only one of which I actually root for. Huge Mets fan, hate the Jets, uh, indifferent to the Nets. Uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Mets could use a little love. God knows we need it. Um, mm-hmm. Even though the team makes quite a lot of money, um, and I think true for the Mets as well, um, the, the payroll is like one of the lowest in the league. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Well, tragically, but, uh, uh, the Mets payroll tends to be uh, right around the top of the league. And yet, <laughs> and we yet. are year so after year go. toward the bottom uh, but, of the league you know, rankings. T- John, talking about uh, what other kind of podcast would you want? Maybe we can have our own uh, sports podcast for, oh, for down-on-their-luck teams. Yes, let's avoid the stereotype of two white guys talking about movies and instead do a really fresh uh, podcast, two white guys talking about sports. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't really see color, but um, we, we could be – or gender, really. We're just two people right. who talk about stuff. Right. Two, two pop-bellied middle-aged white guys talking baseball. No, no, no. No, no, I don't like that description at all. Well, uh, what's the next question? Then work out. Um, <laughs> uh, next too question. Busy with advising. Uh, why do you call it the body count density measurement? Nobody asks what's the temperature measurement outside. It's just the body count density. Extra words don't make you sound smarter, you know. Andy? Well, how do you res- how do you how do you respond to that? Um, I mean, all I can say is that uh, if you want my PIN number so I can go to the ATM machine, uh, I will tell you <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess the thing to say about this is that um, the body count density measurement is mm-hmm. something that's really stupid. Yes. And because it's so stupid, it needed a really stupid name. <laughs> so I don't I don't want to explain the joke here, but uh, it's it's on purpose. So well, that's explaining go. the joke, Andy. I, I the the joke is stupid, and I'm stupid, and everything <laughs> is stupid. I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty clear that uh, we weren't taking this terribly seriously. Um, but I I hope that it goes down to posterity as the BCDM measurement, uh, if only because I think uh, the idea of this 
this commenter um, writing angry letters to the per- people who officially make this thing. <laughs> Sorry, John had some beans for dinner. Um. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Hmm. Okay. Well, I I, I do think it's it's funny that uh, we we would get a complaint about the name of the body count density measurement, which uses Hroffenkel's. As a a core of the uh, measurement statistic. Hroffenkels yes. have been established by Twitter as an official measurement of saga length. So, um, yeah, well, let's not that's true. let's not sneer. No, no, no. Uh, okay. Next question: Is there any chance we'll see a fifth quarter court before the all thing? Seems like a prime Ooh. opportunity to have the slighted options who didn't qualify for the other quarter courts duke it out for their fair share of the glory, just as Nyal intended. Ah, now that is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. A fifth quarter court where we would take uh from what i can understand from this question we would take the candidates who didn't win or just the mm-hmm. second place winners uh well i and guess we could decide what we want to do there yeah so we could take candidates that didn't win from mm-hmm. the quarter courts i assume not from all of the sagas that we've covered right now yeah. and give them a another chance to get into the all thing right right i like this idea uh, I think that's really interesting because, yeah, I, do, um, I, I, I think that there's a lot of opportunities because there's, there's characters and names and, mm-hmm. and witticisms and things like that that in retrospect, people might be looking back on um, mm-hmm. in the future and say, I wish I had voted for that one. My attitude has changed and this would give them an opportunity to come back. Sort of a mm. People's Choice Award. Yeah, yeah, I, I I like that. I I don't know who submitted that one because it was it was from the uh, the the polls questions. Um, but I whoever did that, um, I think you just created uh, yep. a, another episode for us to do. Which so I think, I think the great. answer is yes. There is a chance the answer is yes. Fifth quarter court. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Why didn't we think of that? Excellent. Uh, or well, maybe you know, we did. Maybe we planned to do that all along. Yeah. 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 That's the ticket. Uh, no, thank you for that. Uh, and our final uh, lightning round question. Uh, my wife, and understand this is not me speaking. This is My this wife. Time. My wife says you jumped the gun on doing Gizli Saga so early on. And it was too short. Hey. Revisit this for a 10-year, 10 10-episode 10 anniversary in 2023. Now, interesting. Now, um, Andy, I've had a conversation with people uh, on the Discord uh, about oh. something like this. And I I don't love the idea of going back and redoing all of our early sagas. I think there's sort of the Nerobros no. problem there of redoing things before we've even finished doing them the first time. But I do right. like the idea of maybe opening up uh, some kind of a, uh, a listener poll to revisit one saga uh, that people mm. feel like we mistreated or didn't, didn't cover thoroughly enough. Because some of those early ones... Uh, Ervidja, Gisli, uh, Hravengel, uh, Eric the Red Saga. You know, we really did zip through because we had we had visions for how long this was going to take us. And it did not involve yeah. being eight and a half years in and only three quarters of the way through the project. <laughs> quite true, quite true. Although, you know, my memory of doing Gisli Saga, Gisli's a fairly short and succinct and tightly written saga with one kind of family group to follow. It's not as expansive. I feel like we did a decent, maybe I'm... Oh, I could. I, I feel like we did a decent job with that one. Uh, having taught Gizli about four or five times since we did that, I could absolutely fill a couple more episodes with things. Well, like Gizli John, stuff. 
could could we babble on about any saga that we've covered for another yes. several hours? <laughs> yes. And yes, I feel confident. And that the we question can. is, according to this uh, this listener, uh, should we be doing that? Uh, so I think maybe mm. a, a listener poll for a 10th anniversary uh, revisiting of one of those sagas. Not not for half a dozen episodes, but for one more episode. See, but if you do it for one episode, then you're not really you're, – you're just pushing well, yourself into the same problem. Because we've so. already covered it. Now we can cover it a little bit more. Uh, anyway, uh-huh. I'm going to answer this question. Yes, I like okay. that idea. And we'll be doing some kind of a poll sometime next year about this very thing. So how, how's that? Oh, so we're just going to do that. Oh, yeah. No, I'm okay. writing checks that you get to cash. Uh, we'll, well, we will see about that. <laughs> we will see about that. Um, if Snorri lets you live that long. <laughs> All right. That's it. The bag's empty. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of our quarter courts results episode. Uh, we thank you all for your participation. We thank you all for listening. We thank you all for being part of this journey through the sagas. If you want to get in touch with us um, and share more questions or comments, uh, you can reach us on Twitter, where we are Saga Thing Pod, on Facebook and Instagram, where, where we are Saga Thing Podcast, and through our email, SagaThingPodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, we're going to be, as we mentioned a month or so back, we're going to be undertaking the saga of the people of Loxodal. Uh, mm. So, uh, you know, presumably at some point next year, we'll be completing the saga of the people of Luxodal. Uh But in the meantime, <laughs> you have plenty to look forward to. <laughs> Absolutely. It's one of the greats of the Icelandic saga literature. I think you're all going to enjoy it. There's plenty to go through. And speaking of revisiting old sagas, um, we're going to spend a, a good portion revisiting the beginning of Erbiga saga um, because it's essentially the same as the beginning of Laxdala saga. Yep. Uh, that is, I believe that's going to end up being the entirety of episode one, in fact. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So uh, you can uh, dust off your flat noses and uh, put your kettles on. Excellent. <laughs> do you see, see what I did there? That was. I see what you did. It might not I be that clever. It. But, uh, yep. No, I enjoyed that. Off the cuff, what do you want? There you go. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye for now. That's right, 26%. And that leaves the first place winner who will be going on to the uh, the final quarter. What are we calling the thing? Uh, the all thing. The, oh, the all thing. Yes. <laughs> let, me, um, let me give you a little history lesson here, Andy. Uh, yeah, so there's four quarters, <laughs> you see. And then they have a – yeah, no, I understand.